Welcome to Jam Sessions 2020. This is your host, Jane Ann Murray, president of J. Murray Consultants in Toronto. This is episode number 17 out of 42 potential podcasts in celebration of my 42 year, 42nd anniversary as a marriage and family therapist. I just can't believe June has almost passed and it was 42 years on June 16th since I started uh, doing therapy with clients uh, in the United States and I just, I still can't believe it. I personally have experienced a lot of loss lately. The death of my mom in particular. If you go back to episode, I think it's five, my mother, myself, she passed away May 19th, but that episode had been recorded before that in honor of Mother's Day. She had a 10-year battle with Alzheimer's and had been a healthy and happy and so with it former teacher in her time. When I encounter loss of that magnitude or stress or sometimes sleepless nights, but then eventually into very sleep full nights, as in deep sleep, I, over the course of my life, had ha- have had a number of reoccurring dreams, three of them specifically, that surface over time to remind me of important things in my life. I woke up this morning having had one of those three dreams and decided that today I wanted to speak about dreams and dream work in the process of therapy. Later on in the podcast, I will call in a couple of my expert colleagues to talk about their dream work and how we can do that work on our own. But just the other night, I had one of the dreams yet again. It's my house that I sold in 2012 after 22 years. Each time I dream it, there's something new or something different, but the structure of it is the same. In this particular dream, there was a new curbside appeal. There were new gardens in the front and a new orange front door. Orange is my favorite color, so that makes sense. But there's an obvious river running on the, which would have been down the side of the house, but it's running through the left side of the house. And it looks like the foundation is unsupported. It's above the stream of water. The front door is open. Everything inside is intact. When you walk through the living room, the dining room, the kitchen, you get to the back door and the whole back section of the kitchen is open, as in there's no walls. Now, every time I dream it, there's different people, there's different rooms, uh, and there's sometimes a different focus. But I just think, what, what's really going on? In this dream, there are no people. It's just this expanse of openness and the water running through it. I wonder what it means. In the course of my work, as clients have interacted with me 
and shared with me their dreams. I have recorded my dreams and oftentimes I'll just keep a journal and a notepad and a pen beside my bed and I will wake up with a start having had a vivid dream and I will write down what I can remember, just bits and pieces. At first, it was just words, house, water, river. Uh, And then gradually, the dreams take on a story. And so you need to know that dreams are a part of your story. They're a vivid piece of your story that sometimes does not get addressed in your daily working life but comes to life to illumine and give you insight and give you reference and give you pointers and give you clues and give you direction from within, from very, very deep within. In the daytime, sometimes you don't have time to stop and pause and and and, and go there in terms of what the dream uh, illuminates and plays out for you. So over the course of the years of client work, when a client begins to do that level of personal work, the story also begins to unfold through their dreams. And you know, I I just so love the work of um, Jungian analyst, uh, Dr. Robert Johnson. Uh, In his book called Owning Your Shadow, he talks about your more powerful self that is actually what is in the unconscious that as you explore and as you delve and as you go deeper you get to these pieces which we call the shadow now some people we're going to come back to the shadow but some people say dreams are visions or goals that are not yet achieved and so in some of the dreams there's they're action-packed There's stuff going on. There's unrealized action and momentum that you sometimes don't really get to achieve or experience in your waking life. One author says, if your dreams don't uh, scare you, they're too small. But as you give yourself permission, just as you're dropping off to sleep, as you give yourself permission to dream bigger and more expansive, more open, more wide, more deep, you'll see, you'll experience your deeper self with a capital S. Clients will often say, um, as they do this work as well, it's a very short life. There's no room um, and there's no time not to go after Uh, what sets you on fire and sometimes it's in our dreams that we get set on fire that we see a passion that we have that we haven't really been able to implement or um, or activate in our real life so a dream written down with a date even if it's just in your journal as you wake up at night with a start a dream with a written down date becomes a goal And a goal broken down into little steps could become a plan. And a plan that you back up by actions or that you take action on can become a reality. So the process from going way deep 
in the unconscious and through a dream can actually be implemented into your real life. And so life will only change when you become more committed to your dreams than to your comfort zone. Some, some clients would say, upon questioning, oh, I never dream. And I say, but do you want to? Do you want to see what's there? So Robert Johnson, in his work on what's there, says human beings actually begin as a whole product and culture proceeds from there making certain rules to follow. You should do this, this way, not that way. It's essential to drive on this side of the street or that side of the street. And a cultured human being is the product of all that sorting or sifting. The things are not just revered. These things are considered useful and they disappear from sight and they sometimes disappear from consciousness. You do them automatically. You don't even think twice. This is a wonderful and necessary process and there would be actually no civilized behavior without this sorting, sorting, sorting and sifting. Sifting out of good and evil. However, the rejected and unacceptable characteristics and rules and systems, they don't go away. They collect in the darker corners of our personality. And when they've been hidden long enough, they take on a new life. We call it a shadow life. The shadow is that which has not yet adequately entered your consciousness. It's in the, it's in the sometimes despised quarter of our being. We actually don't want to go there. It's often an energy potential can be almost as great or more powerful than our ego. And if it accumulates more energy than our ego, it erupts as an overpowering rage or some crazy indiscretion that slips past us. Or we have a depression or we have an accident. It seems to have its own purpose. The shadow, when it becomes anonymous, can be a real monster in our psychic house. And in the, last, um, in the last episode, we talk about psychic sludge. Yeah, mm-hmm. there can be psychic sludge in our unconscious. But you know, some of the best aspects of a person are relegated to the shadows. There may be pure gold in your shadow. And if I were to attempt to bring out that quality in you, could be anything, your capacity to love or your capacity for devotion. It could, it could frighten you. A person's genius is actually more terrifying than their dark side. It's important to be careful in eliciting these new or unknown things from your personality, things that you didn't know were there. But when you see them in your dreams, they don't look so threatening. They're just part of the story. They're part of the movie that unfolds as you sleep. When someone comes in for therapy or treatment, um, they expect that we'll go digging into their skeletons and, and into the closet. But it's funny, clients react the worst or get the most frightened when they're faced with some part of their genius, some part of their powerhouse, some part of their 
powerful personality. So there's a couple of ways of coping with our shadow. Um, one of is suppression and or repression. Sometimes we just knowingly de delete some characteristics of our personality, but we see them, we get glimpses of them in our dreams. And sometimes we convince ourselves that these unwanted characteristics absolutely do not exist in us. And that, that kind of repression actually does the most damage. So when a person begins to do that therapeutic work and they start to come forward, and even without giving themselves permission, they start to have dreams, we see that repressed material. We see those repressed pieces of the story coming to life. So Dr. Johnson argues, and I would concur, you need to know your shadow. You need to own it. You need to see it. You need to allow yourself to dream it. Some people will dream dreams and see visions and it will empower them to actually make more of their current life. You can obey the cultural rules and, and keep your own shadow out of circulation. But don't forget that you have it. And once that you give yourself permission in your dreams to experience that shadow, to illuminate the little dark corners that you may have put aside or pressed down or wanted to forget or cut them off, once you allow these little pieces to form a puzzle that starts to be form a picture that can in fact be incomplete but the more you work the more you dream the more you bring into your consciousness those pieces of the story the more you have to work with the more potential you have the more greatness you can achieve the more wholeness you can have the more healing you can experience so therapy is a direct way to help us uncover and work with our shadow, but it's not the only way. You have to have a true willingness to look at what it is. Your dreams will flood you with that material. And most of a person's dreams are the unlived life. And you must approach a dream by thinking, this is a part of me I don't know about, or maybe that I've lost track of. I better sit up and take, take notice of this. I better pay attention. And if you dream about bandits or the mafia or wars, rumors of wars, these are your own dark sides. And if you dream about being a hero, being on top of the world, being the person recognized, the person honored, the person revered, this is a latent quality in you as well. And it's amazing how much resistance we can actually put up to the, to the gold, to the value, to the potential in our shadow. Personal circumstances certainly influence what's deep inside us. The culture in which we live has a lot to do with how we feel and how we interpret our personal circumstances. And so we just need to pay attention to what and how we dream. 
and we begin to balance what we see and, and envision and experience in our dreams with how we're handling our current and present circumstances. Oh, I just love working with clients on their dreams. It just adds a completely different dimension to the work that we do. And so I wanted to give you a little bit of a toolkit, um, the most, sort of the most basics for doing your own dream work. And I would, uh, I would suggest, and over the course of the 42 podcasts, I've been offering people, uh, clients in past, present, and future, uh, the opportunity to do a little piece of work. I'm celebrating my 42 years. I'm charging $42 for 42 minutes. It's all part of my theme. And so if you're interested to share a dream prior to connecting with me, do a little bit of your own work so that you can come a little bit prepared and make the best of that time. First and foremost, consider that all dreams speak a universal language and they come to serve you. They're a they're a part of your health and your wholeness. And as such, there's no such thing as a bad dream. You may believe that you have nightmares, but only sometimes the dreams can take a dramatic negative, but they're really just to grab our attention. And you need to know that each figure, each hero, each victim, each scene, each element, the water, the house, the street, the curb appeal, the flowers, the open wall in the backyard, to the backyard. Each piece of that, each, each part is a piece of the puzzle and a piece of you. And only the dreamer, only you can say with any certainty, certainty what mean, meaning the dream may have. And you know, that, that certainty I've heard it so many times, that famous word, aha. It's the recognition. The aha is a function of your memory and it's the only real reliable touchstone of dream work. When you have, oh, oh yes, that resonates with me, that connects with, I get it. That's the validation. And you know, there's no such thing as a dream with only one meaning. Every time I've had my reoccurring dream, and there are three of them, this one, one of the three is about the house. And the house usually represents your life. So each time I dream it, I'm dreaming an aspect of my life that I need to see in pictures, that I need to see in the story that will help me handle what's on my plate in the present. So there's no such thing as a dream with only one meaning. All dreams and all the dream in images are multi-layered and have multiple meanings and layers of significance. And the more you dream it, the more insight you're gonna to have to it. And dreams, no dream comes to tell you what you already know. It's usually a level that you haven't gotten to. All dreams break new ground and invite you to new understandings and insights. <clears throat> I apologize, my, my puppy is barking in the background. However, I'm on a roll and I don't want to stop. So 
when you're talking to others about your dreams, it's very, and, and if you're talking to someone else about them relaying a dream to you, I've often said to different friends, oh my gosh, I had such an incredible dream last night. I actually wrote it, got up and wrote it down. So when you're talking to others about their dreams, it's very wise and it's also polite to preface the remarks you make. As you're listening to that person, you're gonna say, if that were my dream, it might be about whatever you heard. And you need to keep the, the commentary that you make about that other person's territory because it's their unconscious speaking to them. And you are a privileged listener if you have opportunity to do that. So you want to keep it in the first person. And also when you say, hmm, if it were my dream, it actually makes it easier to hear easier for you the listener to hear but it's also easier when the dreamer hears you saying if it was my dream it would be about it would be about that river running through it it would be something is running through underneath all that you're dealing with in your life at this point so this means that even even challenging or confrontive comments need to be made in such a way that the dreamer can actually hear and is able to hear and internalize them. And you know, it becomes a very profound discipline to walk a mile in the other person's shoes. So when you say, if you're listening to my dream about the house, you could say, oh, your life is falling apart. There's absolutely no back wall. The whole house is open. People can see in. They, they, there's no wall. There's no boundary. So when, when, when I hear someone saying, if it were my dream, and it's missing the back wall, then I'm more likely to listen because they're putting into it into their perspective from their first person. And I get a sense that they're with me. And if you're in a group and you know it's it's great at a party, for example, to start talking about your dreams, you'd be surprised at how many people really do want to voice what's going on that they're seeing in their dreams, but they, they have nowhere to share it. But in the therapeutic process, it's a very sacred and holy ground that we're walking. So we step lightly. But we also need to remain anonymous in the discussion. And um, I'm pretty open as a therapist and I do say if a person asks I can say well I can only speak about this dream or that dream and I have shared in a number of different contexts my three reoccurring dreams uh, the one about the house which changes all the time and that house has been sold for almost eight years so I'm in a whole new phase of my life but that foundation that piece of house which represents my life is ever changing and growing and moving towards a different level of integration and so in the absence of a specific request for confidentiality i ask that people can be free to discuss what they want outside the group they can even talk about my dream it doesn't matter to me i've talked to many people about it but i like to keep an uh, uh, a mystique about it as well 
So when a person requests confidentiality, well, the sessions are confidential anyway. I don't talk about the person specifically. I talk about the dream or a dream, but we need to agree to be bound by that confidentiality of the deep. We're approaching the deep. We're delving deep. And we want to keep that sacred especially as a person comes for the first few times to explore the deep because the deep isn't always the place you want to be. Most people want to be high and lofty and enthusiastic and we can be about our dreams but we do need permission to go deep and to have those pictures, those themes, those stories illuminate us and challenge us and and maybe even take over us and that's sometimes the shadow that we referred to earlier that's the shadow speaking and sometimes that is where our powerhouse and I say powerhouse because that house our life even with the river running through it is where we start and where we grow from and so that shadow can be our most important pieces that we have yet to integrate into our current state, our current reality, our current place, our current loss, our current life. I do invite you to connect with me about your dreams and I invite you to give yourself permission to dream to dream big, to dream deep, and to begin to remember your dreams. Remembering and digging deep in there is accessing parts of you that could be your best self, and you don't even know it yet. Until next time. Welcome to Jam Sessions 2020. This is your host, Jane Ann Murray, president of J. Murray Consultants in Toronto. This is episode number 17 out of 42 potential podcasts in celebration of my 42 year, 42nd anniversary as a marriage and family therapist. I just can't believe June has almost passed and it was 42 years on June 16th since I started Uh, doing therapy with clients uh, in the United States and I just I still can't believe it I personally have experienced a lot of loss lately the death of my mom in particular if you go back to episode I think it's five my mother myself she passed away May 19th but that episode had been recorded before that in honor of Mother's Day. She had a 10-year battle with Alzheimer's and had been a healthy and happy and so with it former teacher in her time. When I encounter loss of that magnitude or stress or sometimes sleepless nights but then eventually into very sleep full nights, as in deep sleep, 
I, over the course of my life, had ha have had a number of reoccurring dreams, three of them specifically, that surface over time to remind me of important things in my life. I woke up this morning having had one of those three dreams and decided that today I wanted to speak about dreams and dream work in the process of therapy. Later on in the podcast, I will call in a couple of my expert colleagues to talk about their dream work and how we can do that work on our own. But just the other night, I had one of the dreams yet again. It's my house that I sold in 2012 after 22 years. Each time I dream it, there's something new or something different, but the structure of it is the same. In this particular dream, there was a new curbside appeal. There were new gardens in the front and a new orange front door. Orange is my favorite color, so that makes sense. But there's an obvious river running on the, which would have been down the side of the house, but it's running through the left side of the house. And it looks like the foundation is unsupported. It's above the stream of water. The front door is open. Everything inside is intact. When you walk through the living room, the dining room, the kitchen, you get to the back door and the whole back section of the kitchen is open, as in there's no walls. Now, every time I dream it, there's different people, there's different rooms, uh, and there's sometimes a different focus. But I just think, what, what's really going on? In this dream, there are no people. It's just this expanse of openness and the water running through it. I wonder what it means. In the course of my work, as clients have interacted with me and shared with me their dreams, I have recorded my dreams and oftentimes I'll just keep a journal and a notepad and a pen beside my bed and I will wake up with a start having had a vivid dream and I will write down what I can remember, just bits and pieces. At first it was just words, house, water, river uh, and then gradually the dreams take on a story. And so you need to know that dreams are a part of your story. They're a vivid piece of your story that sometimes does not get addressed in your daily working life, but comes to life to illumine and give you insight and give you reference and give you pointers and give you clues and give you direction from within from very, very deep within. In the daytime, sometimes you don't have time to stop and pause and, 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 and go there in terms of what the dream uh, illuminates and um, plays out for you. So over the course of the years of client work, when a client begins to do that level of personal work, the story also begins to unfold through their dreams. 
And you know, I, I just so love the work of um, Jungian analyst, uh, Dr. Robert Johnson. Uh, in his book called Owning Your Shadow, he talks about your more powerful self that is actually what is in the unconscious. That as you explore and as you delve and as you go deeper, you get to these pieces which we call the shadow. Now, some people, we're gonna come back to the shadow, but some people say dreams are visions or goals that are not yet achieved. And so in some of the dreams, there's they're action-packed. There's stuff going on. They're unrealized action and momentum that you sometimes don't really get to achieve or experience in your waking life. One author says, if your dreams don't uh, scare you, they're too small. But as you give yourself permission, just as you're dropping off to sleep, as you give yourself permission to dream bigger and more expansive, more open, more wide, more deep, you'll see, you'll experience your deeper self with a capital S. Clients will often say, um, as they do this work as well, it's a very short life. There's no room um, and there's no time not to go after uh, what sets you on fire. And sometimes it's in our dreams that we get set on fire, that we see a passion that we have that we haven't really been able to implement or, um, or activate in our real life. So a dream written down with a date, even if it's just in your journal as you wake up at night with a start, a dream with a written down date becomes a goal. And a goal broken down into little steps could become a plan. And a plan that you back up by actions or that you take action on can become a reality. So the process from going way deep in the unconscious and through a dream can actually be implemented into your real life. And so life will only change when you become more committed to your dreams than to your comfort zone. Some, some clients would say upon questioning, oh, I never dream. And I say, but do you want to? Do you want to see what's there? So Robert Johnson, in his work on what's there, says human beings actually begin as a whole product and culture proceeds from there making certain rules to follow. You should do this, this way, not that way. It's essential to drive on this side of the street or that side of the street. And a cultured human being is the product of all that sorting or sifting. The things are not just revered. These things are considered useful and they disappear from sight and they sometimes disappear from consciousness. You do them automatically. You don't even think twice. This is a wonderful and necessary process and there would be actually no civilized behavior without this sorting, sorting, sorting and sifting, sifting out of good and evil. However, 
the rejected and unacceptable characteristics and rules and systems, they don't go away. They collect in the darker corners of our personality. And when they've been hidden long enough, they take on a new life. We call it a shadow life. The shadow is that which has not yet adequately entered your consciousness. It's in the it's in the sometimes despised corner of our being. We actually don't want to go there. It's often an energy potential can be almost as great or more powerful than our ego. And if it accumulates more energy than our ego, it erupts as an overpowering rage or some crazy indiscretion that slips past us. Or we have a depression or we have an accident. It seems to have its own purpose. The shadow, when it becomes anonymous, can be a real monster in our psychic house. And in the last um, in the last episode, we talk about psychic sludge. Yeah, mm-hmm. there can be psychic sludge in our unconscious. But you know, some of the best aspects of a person are relegated to the shadows. There may be pure gold in your shadow. And if I were attempt to bring out that quality in you, it could be anything, your capacity to love or your capacity for devotion. It could, it could frighten you. A person's genius is actually more terrifying than their dark side. It's important to be careful in eliciting these new or unknown things from your personality things that you didn't know were there. But when you see them in your dreams, they don't look so threatening. They're just part of the story. They're part of the movie that unfolds as you sleep. When someone comes in for therapy or treatment, um, they expect that we'll go digging into their skeletons and, and into the closet. But it's funny, clients react the worst or get the most frightened when they're faced with some part of their genius, some part of their powerhouse, some part of their powerful personality. So there's a couple of ways of coping with our shadow. Um, One of is suppression and or repression. Sometimes we just knowingly delete some characteristics of our personality, but we see them, we get glimpses of them in our dreams. And sometimes we convince ourselves that these unwanted characteristics absolutely do not exist in us. And that that kind of repression actually does the most damage. So when a person begins to do that therapeutic work and they start to come forward, and even without giving themselves permission, they start to have dreams, we see that repressed material. We see those repressed pieces of the story coming to life. So Dr. Johnson argues, and I would concur, you need to know your shadow. You need to own it. You need to see it. You need to allow yourself to dream it. Some people will dream dreams and see visions and it will empower them to actually make more of their current life. You can obey the cultural rules and and keep your own shadow out of circulation. 
but don't forget that you have it. And once that you give yourself permission in your dreams to experience that shadow, to illuminate the little dark corners that you may have put aside or pressed down or wanted to forget or cut them off, once you allow these little pieces to form a puzzle that starts to be form a picture that can in fact be incomplete but the more you work the more you dream the more you bring into your consciousness those pieces of the story the more you have to work with the more potential you have the more greatness you can achieve the more wholeness you can have the more healing you can experience so therapy is a direct way to help us uncover and work with our shadow but it's not the only way you have to have a true willingness to look at what it is your dreams will flood you with that material and most of a person's dreams are the unlived life and you must approach a dream by thinking this is a part of me I don't know about or maybe that I've lost track of. I better sit up and take, take notice of this. I better pay attention. And if you dream about bandits or the mafia or wars, rumors of wars, these are your own dark sides. And if you dream about being a hero, being on top of the world, being the person recognized, the person honored, the person revered, this is a latent quality in you as well. And it's amazing how much resistance we can actually put up to the, to the gold, to the value, to the potential in our shadow. Personal circumstances certainly influence what's deep inside us. The culture in which we live has a lot to do with how we feel and how we interpret our personal circumstances. And so we just need to pay attention to what and how we dream. And we begin to balance what we see and, and envision and experience in our dreams with how we're handling our current and present circumstances. I just love working with clients on their dreams. It just adds a completely different dimension to the work that we do. And so I wanted to give you a little bit of a toolkit, um, the most, sort of the most basics for doing your own dream work. And I would, uh, I would suggest, and over the course of the 42 podcasts, I've been offering people, uh, clients in past, present, and future, uh, the opportunity to do a little piece of work. I'm celebrating my 42 years. I'm charging $42 for 42 minutes. It's all part of my theme. And so if you're interested to share a dream prior to connecting with me, do a little bit of your own work so that you can come a little bit prepared and make the best of that time. First and foremost, consider that all dreams speak a universal language and they come to serve you. They're a, they're a part of your health and your wholeness. And as such, there's no such thing as a bad dream. You may believe that you have nightmares, but only 
Sometimes the dreams can take a dramatic negative, but they're really just to grab our attention. And you need to know that each figure, each hero, each victim, each scene, each element, the water, the house, the street, the curb appeal, the flowers, the open wall in the backyard, to the backyard, each piece of that, each, each part is a piece of the puzzle and a piece of you. And only the dreamer, only you can say with any certainty, certainty what mean, meaning the dream may have. And you know, that, that certainty, I've heard it so many times, that famous word, aha, it's the recognition. The aha is a function of your memory, and it's the only real reliable touchstone of dream work. When you have, oh, oh, yes, that resonates with me, that connects with, I get it. That's the validation. And you know, there's no such thing as a dream with only one meaning. Every time I've had my reoccurring dream, and there are three of them, this one, one of the three is about the house. And the house usually represents your life. So each time I dream it, I'm dreaming an aspect of my life that I need to see in pictures, that I need to see in the story that will help me handle what's on my plate in the present. So there's no such thing as a dream with only one meaning. All dreams and all the dream in images are multi-layered and have multiple meanings and layers of significance. And the more you dream it, the more insight you're gonna to have to it. And dreams, no dream comes to tell you what you already know. It's usually a level that you haven't gotten to. All dreams break new ground and invite you to new understandings and insights. <clears throat> I apologize. My, my puppy is barking in the background. However, I'm on a roll and I don't want to stop. So when you're talking to others about your dreams, it's very... And, and if you're talking to someone else about them relaying a dream to you, I've often said to different friends, oh my gosh, I had such an incredible dream last night. I actually wrote it, got up and wrote it down. So when you're talking to others about their dreams, it's very wise and it's also polite to preface the remarks you make. As you're listening to that person, you're gonna say, if that were my dream, it might be about whatever you heard. And you need to keep the, the commentary that you make about that other person's territory because it's their unconscious speaking to them and you are a privileged listener if you have opportunity to do that so you want to keep it in the first person and also when you say hmm, if it were my dream it actually makes it easier to hear easier for you the listener to hear but it's also easier when the dreamer hears you saying if it was my dream, it would be about, it would be about that river running through it. It would be something is running through underneath all that you're dealing with in your life at this point. So this means that even 
even challenging or confrontive comments need to be made in such a way that the dreamer can actually hear and is able to hear and internalize them. And you know, it becomes a very profound discipline to walk a mile in the other person's shoes. So when you say, if you're listening to my dream about the house, you could say, oh, your life is falling apart. There's absolutely no back wall. The whole house is open. People can see in, they, they, there's no wall, there's no boundary. So when, when, when I hear someone saying, if it were my dream, and it's missing the back wall, then I'm more likely to listen because they're putting into it into their perspective from their first person. And I get a sense that they're with me. And if you're in a group and you know it's, it's great at a party, for example, to start talking about your dreams, you'd be surprised at how many people really do want to voice what's going on that they're seeing in their dreams, but they, they have nowhere to share it. But in the therapeutic process, it's a very sacred and holy ground that we're walking. So we step lightly. But we also need to remain anonymous in the discussion. And um, I'm pretty open as a therapist and I do say, if a person asks, I can say, well, I can only speak about this dream or that dream. And I have shared in a number of different contexts, my three reoccurring dreams. Uh, the one about the house which changes all the time and that house has been sold for almost eight years so i'm in a whole new phase of my life but that foundation that piece of house which represents my life is ever changing and growing and moving towards a different level of integration and so in the absence of a specific request for confidentiality i ask that people can be free to discuss what they want outside the group. They can even talk about my dream. It doesn't matter to me. I've talked to many people about it, but I like to keep an, uh, uh, a, a mystique about it as well. So when a person requests confidentiality, well, the sessions are confidential anyway. I don't talk about the person specifically. I talk about the dream or a dream but we need to agree to be bound by that confidentiality of the deep. We're approaching the deep. We're delving deep. And we want to keep that sacred. Especially as a person comes for the first few times to explore the deep. Because the deep isn't always the place you want to be. Most people want to be high and lofty and enthusiastic. And we can be about our dreams, but we do need permission to go deep and to have those pictures, those themes, those stories illuminate us and challenge us and, and maybe even take over us. And that's sometimes the shadow that we referred to earlier. That's the shadow speaking. And sometimes that is where our powerhouse, and I say powerhouse because that house, our life, even with a river running through it, is where we start and where we grow from. 
And so that shadow can be our most important pieces that we have yet to integrate into our current state, our current reality, our current place, our current loss, our current life. I do invite you to connect with me about your dreams. And I invite you to give yourself permission to dream, to dream big, to dream deep, and to begin to remember your dreams. Remembering and digging deep in there is accessing parts of you that could be your best self and you don't even know it yet. Until next time. Welcome to Jam Sessions 2020. This is your host, Jane Ann Murray, and this is episode number 18. When life gets in the way. It's been a couple of weeks since I've recorded a podcast episode, and I must say that life got in the way. When clients would come to me in past times, I would never usually let on that there was something going on in my own life and I would try to rise to the occasion, be especially attentive, empathetic, and focused on their story that day. And oftentimes clients would share with me very intimately that life had gotten in the way and they just really could not attend to the therapy process and they would need to take a break. Sometimes that break was a week or two, sometimes it would be a month, sometimes it would be six months. Usually, and I often had this happen to me, I would get a, not a premonition, but I would have a sense. Someone would bring be brought to my mind, either through an incident or an event, and I would think, gee, I wonder what's happening to that particular client. And usually without fail, within a couple of days, I would hear from that person. And yes, something would be going on in their life and they would return back to the process and we would continue to do pieces of work. Other times when clients would come and they would be relaying things, the loss of a parent um, or as a parent, the loss of a child, which is so tragic, Um, divorce, death of a spouse, death period of a family member, moving, moving into a new house or a new place or being transferred. All of these are amazingly high items on the stress scale that was once developed by Hans Selye who studied stress incredibly. And for the first time in my life, I've experienced all of those things myself at the same time um, as a child, the loss of a parent, illness, death, moving. And I can honestly say that I can relate to my clients in a completely different way. 
because I have taken a break and thus I haven't recorded a session for quite some time. But in my therapy days where I was actively seeing a number of clients a day, which I still do, but at this time in my life, I've really cut back my clientele in order to serve my parents um, prior to my mom's death. It's been about, we figured about 10, well, 12 years of really taking care of them. And during that time, therapy for me never ceased. People kept coming to me and I wore that stress internally, I think. Uh, I think I wore it fairly well, but in these last months, uh, prior to my mom's death and my dad ending up in the hospital with a fall and getting COVID and having to be isolated and quarantined, I mean, it just hasn't ended. So this is the first time in my 42-year career that I can say life got in the way of my doing therapy with people and it also got in the way, it never before got in the way of being a therapist or, or doing therapy with clients. I always tried to deal with it alongside of my life. And interestingly enough, your stories would become my stories and pieces of what clients would reveal to me or how we would interact or how we would intervene on some specific element of life would often apply to my own life, but I would never say it. Freud used to call that counter-transference in the olden days when the therapist would take on the feelings or events or the dynamics of the client's um, story or life or event. Um, transferring is where the, either the client transfers onto you, let's say you become their mother, they transfer onto you, the, uh, the qualities that they want to work with, or you may faultly so transfer onto them stuff that they don't deserve or need to have happen to them. That is a very dang, big danger for therapists, and we have to be really careful about that. So at this time in my life, after 42 years of practicing, I can honestly say I had to take a break and had to cut back the clientele I couldn't hide the grief, I couldn't hide the sorrow, I couldn't hide the stress, I couldn't hide the impatience, I couldn't hide um, my distaste and dislike for some of the ways the medical system was being run even during COVID, which they've done amazing jobs, but there are, the system's wounded and I just had a hard time with it, especially when it comes to being a mother cub. Isn't that funny that I should say that? a mother cub to my parents. I became the parent during this time. And they're like my little kids that I would protect, defend and advocate for until, well, until. So I'm contemplating as I return to doing the episodes that yes, you know what? Life can get in the way. And sometimes there are more important things than my own personal development or my self growth. There are more important things perhaps um, than figuring it all out or having to have answers. And sometimes I just have to give it over. I've got to give it up or let go so that I can learn from the places that I'm in. I gotta be content in the circumstances that I'm in and really open myself up or open up 
to gleaning what I can learn and um, appropriate into my life during these big periods. I had a couple of dreams. I, I talked in some previous episodes about dreams. I had a couple of dreams during this period of time where I was sitting on the subway. And this is true. I used to sit on the subway and think, how am I going to figure out what people are going to bring to me today when I feel so scattered, even on the subway? I was. I used to watch couples on the subway. I used to watch individuals on the subway on the way to my office. And I would think, how, how are they coping? What are they doing? How are they, how are they interacting? And I, I would figure it out on the way so that I would calm myself down and be prepared by the time I stepped off the subway and went up the escalator into the, uh, into the office lobby, I would be ready and I would be prepared. I often took time on the subway as well, or when I was in my car, if I drove, I would meditate, I'd have good music on, and I would just try to really eliminate all the distractions so that I could indeed focus. And the other night I woke up with a start and I didn't remember what day it was. And I thought, oh, I'm supposed to be seeing a client right now. And it was like, 10 in the morning and I had actually slept through my alarm. Never had that ha has that happened in 42 years where I didn't show for a client. Um, oftentimes they didn't show for various and sundry reasons, but I've never had that happen. But I woke up with a sense of panic as though I had missed seeing someone that, and I, I ran, I got out of bed and ran to my schedule book and to my phone to make sure that I indeed had not missed uh, someone coming or being on Zoom with me because now everything's on Zoom. I actually thought, had a thought that life, COVID has really gotten in the way of the face-to-face -face therapy that I've done for so long. And I'm contemplating whether I'll ever really see clients in an office or in my home office ever again because I, I'm, I'm doing my work by Zoom now. So all of these things have been going through my mind and I understand that life can get in the way, but it also can be a point of resistance that so much of life is getting in the way that we neglect ourselves and really just really resist digging in or digging deep uh, to get to the bottom of things that would in fact release us for better times, better interaction, better communication, uh, better sleep, better or few mood swings. And so I, I want to encourage you all on one level to accept that life does get in the way as I am doing in my life at this stage. And on another level to not accept that life gets in the way because we need those life lessons to propel us forward and to uh, make our lives more meaningful, to enrich our lives with, with stories and events and experiences that mature us in yet a different or deeper or even more spiritual way. So I just had to take the, this episode to say, yes, life can get in the way. I don't want it to get in the way. And in the past, I've been very loyal and very faithful and very 
committed to my my peeps, my people, my clients who I I, I so wanted. I think I sometimes wanted their lives to be better more than they wanted their lives to be better, frankly. And so this is a period of time where I'm learning the same life lessons that you are and that you have and that you've shared over time. And so if you're at a place where life could get in the way right now and you really re- need to reach out but you just haven't for whatever reason, I would like to, you, to encourage you to connect with me by email, jamconsults at gmail.com and let's forge ahead together even in times of uh, right up on the stress scale and let's not get to a place where life is so in the way that we're buried. Uh, that's not a good place. We don't want to be in that place. Uh, let's rise up and, and accept the challenge and take the stress head on with help and support, feedback, concern, empathy, and love. Until next time.